The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to the Lord Christ. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, <clears throat> Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they were, have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. For those who are visiting, my name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It's a joy to celebrate this Easter morning with you. I'm noticing some old faces. I'm noticing some new faces and some special faces. We have a lot of our college students who've driven in or flown in for this particular weekend. Can we welcome them home with a round of applause? I'm excited to dive into this passage, John 20, with you. But first, let's begin with another word of prayer. So please bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts 
be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin by asking everyone this question. Have you ever noticed how those who have made it through the most difficulties in life tend to be the most grateful in life? Have you ever noticed how those who've made it through the most difficulties in life tend to be the most grateful in life? This morning, we are going to talk about a ghost, a gal, and some frightened dudes. First, a ghost. Friends, I have a picture to share with you. This is ghost. <laughs> Do we have any dog lovers here today? Great. Well, for months, residents out west saw this very dog wandering in the desert, sometimes all alone and sometimes catch this. I know, it's so exciting. <laughs> With a pack of coyotes. It's true. According to various reports and photographs, beginning last summer, residents near Inspirada, Nevada, kept seeing this very dog, which they affectionately nicknamed Ghost, wandering through the hills, the streets, and even through their back alleys, often with coyotes. He would seemingly appear out of nowhere, sometimes on motion cameras and sometimes in the vis distant view of vehicles. And yet anytime anyone tried to offer help or food to this dog, he would simply run away. So last fall, Ghost's fame only grew. He was a dog who apparently like to live in the wild. Unfortunately, things took a turn for the worse for Ghost this past January. You see, he began to walk with a noticeable limp and he was visibly hurt. Ghost needed help. Thankfully, through the intervention of some concerned residents, Ghost was rescued and began to receive the treatment he desperately needed. Listen to this one, Fellowship. When Ghost finally went to the vet, <clears throat> He had a broken toe that was sideways that needed to be amputated, an ear infection, an eye infection, gashes all over his body from defending himself in the wild and rocks in his belly because he'd eaten virtually anything out of starvation. He was severely malnourished. Nonetheless, Ghost was rescued. I'm, I'm happy to report that he's doing well today, making a full recovery says one of the woman, women who rescued Ghost, quote, we would like for him to be adopted into a loving home where he's going to have a bed, a couch, and people to hold him. I believe he's going to be the best dog because they are the most grateful, the ones that are rescued. They feel it. I just love that. We would like him to be adopted into a loving home where he's going to have a bed, a couch, and People to hold him, I believe he's gonna be the best dog because they are the most grateful, the ones who are rescued, they feel it. Quite the story, right? Again, allow me to ask you, have you ever noticed how those who've made it through the most difficulties in life tend to be the most grateful? Such was true for Ghost, and as we'll see in our passage today, such was also true for Mary Magdalene, in the early disciples as they encountered a living, risen Jesus on their first Easter morn. This leads us to our big idea, the truth I hope we take home with us today from John chapter 20. 
The power of Easter is found in the empty tomb. The beauty of Easter is knowing that Jesus calls our name. The power of Easter is found in the empty tomb. And the beauty of Easter is found in knowing that Jesus calls our name. And we're going to look at this through three points. Point one, Dave, Jesus saves us. Point two, Cynthia, Jesus saves us in his love. And point three, yes, Jesus even sends us in his love. So who's ready to dive into God's word? Give me a, a nod. Let's clap. Let's do this. I'll tell you what, the 830, they were tired, but they were here. But we all made it. Again, we're so excited you're here. Point one, Jesus sees us in his love. Beginning with verse one. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Just think about it. This was the worst morning imaginable. For years, Mary Magdalene and the others who had followed Jesus fully believed he was the coming Messiah, the one who was prophesied about in the days of old, the king who would come and liberate them from Roman oppression. Their expectations had been sky high, not just for days, but for years. And it wasn't all talk, friends. Jesus had backed it up. Listen, they had seen him feed the poor, heal the sick, preach good news of a new kingdom, and even proclaim God's favor in their day, the forgiveness of sins. It was spectacular, all of it, word and deed of Jesus. And it was personal for Mary, Mary Magdalene. Why? Well, in Luke chapter eight, we read that she herself had been possessed by seven demons. And Jesus had saved her from this horrible life, this torturous life, which undoubtedly had included her being a social outcast. Listen, a nobody. Thus for Mary Magdalene, it was personal. It was through Jesus that she not only found freedom, she'd become a somebody. She'd moved from being a nobody to a somebody. And listen, she was all in. She was all in with Jesus. Now, returning to our passage, knowing that context or background for our text, this is what makes the initial report about the Easter weekend so brutal. Jesus had made this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and had he conquered the Romans, he had not. In fact, they had mocked him, beaten him, and publicly crucified him, and it looked as if he surrendered throughout the whole experience. Understandably, Mary and the disciples were distraught, deeply distraught. They were a twisted, emotional mess. And adding further confusion to the story, we now read in today's passage that when Mary went to the tomb that was holding Jesus' body that first Easter morning, he was nowhere to be found, meaning his body was nowhere to be found. Jesus was missing. And this seemed to only cultivate more doubt not only about Jesus's kingship, but about all that he had taught. Again, put yourself for a minute in their place, in Mary Magdalene's place, in the disciples' place. This had to be the worst morning imaginable for them. Our passage is full of disbelief, confusion, fear, 
and even broken hearts. And let me bring this into the room. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Have you ever been there full of fear and doubt and disbelief, even a broken heart? Continuing with verse 11, after Peter and John had visited the tomb and then left Mary at that place, we read, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Wow, right? Knowing the backdrop to our text, the context to our text, in an instant, some 2,000 years ago, the darkest morning became the brightest day in history. Mary, Mary, Mary. Jesus not only saw Mary in that moment, he called her by name, Mary. It's staggering to think about. Listen, that first Easter morning, Jesus was not only not dead, he was alive and he saw and he called out to the least likely person in history, Mary, Mary, Mary Magdalene, a woman whose gender was not respected at the time and a former demon-possessed woman at that, whom I'm sure even when people walked by her, after following Jesus, they still mocked her. That's that woman. And yet what does our passage tell us? Jesus saw her. He saw Mary Magdalene and he did what? He called her by name, Mary, Mary. And friends, this was no accident. It shows there's absolutely no limit to the love we find in Jesus. No limit. Jesus can and does see and call and love all kinds of people, including you, Tiger, including you, Sarah, including you, Sam. Again, let's bring this into the room. So you've taken some hits. Jesus sees you and he loves you. So you've got some scars. He sees you and he loves you. So you've got some doubts. He sees you and he loves you. So you've made massive mistakes. He sees you and he loves you. So you're an outcast. Some say a loser. He sees you and loves you. Loves you today. Do you see the scandalous beauty of this first, this very first encounter by Jesus on Easter morning? Who would have ever thought that the, the very first person to inaugurate his words from John 10? would be Mary Magdalene. We read in John 10, Jesus saying before the crucifixion, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus knew Mary and she knew Jesus. Wow, just wow. 
Point one, friends, Jesus sees us and he sees you in his love. Point two, Jesus saves us in his love. Picking up at verse 19, we read, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. After this, he did what? He showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. A little of my story. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and even a teenager, I had a secret hiding place I would go to when life went off the rails. I grew up in a little town called Lake Wales, Florida. And every time I got sad or mad or confused, I'd walk down to this little shed-like structure in my parents' backyard. It overlooked a lake. And I would, I would go there, especially at night, in the dead of night when no one would see me. And I would sit there processing and praying, even crying out to God. I'd cry out over mistakes I had made or was making or how others had treated me. The point being, when I got flooded, when I got flooded in life, I'd go to my hiding place. Have any of you ever had a hiding place before? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. The kids are honest. Well, as we read in our passage today, it's clear that the disciples had found a hiding place following the, resur- excuse me, following the crucifixion of Jesus. And look, would you blame them? Do you blame them? They had just seen their so-called king and Messiah mocked, stripped, and hung on a tree in the most heinous way in history to die. And I'm sure they feared for their lives. In fact, that's what our passage says. Their doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Moreover, it's clear that their hearts like Mary's, were a mess. Yes, they felt fear, but looking at other scripture, we know they were also confused. They carried tremendous guilt and they had sadness. You see, these guys had gone all in with Jesus and when he needed them the most, they'd abandoned him. Moreover, he'd been crucified. So here in our passage, they're paralyzed in their hiding place. And it's into this setting, friends, look at this with me. It's into this setting that Jesus shows up and says what and does what. Josh, he says, peace be with you. And then he shows him his hands and his side, the brutal marks of the crucifixion. Another word pops. He shows them his love. The apostle Paul would later write these words to describe the crucifixion. He, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you are like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Thus, Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, scripture tells us through those things, we are saved. We are healed. All that guilt, all those mistakes, all that wandering we've done in life has been washed clean. It's been met by the white hot fire of God's love and justice through Jesus on a cross. To quote the late John Stott, as we face the cross, then we can say to ourselves, I did it. My sins sent him there. 
And we can also say he did it. His love took him there. So whoever you are and whatever you've done in life, hear this this morning. You don't need to hide anymore. Jesus's love is not only wide, it's strong in that it overcame death and it's overcome your sin. Yes, every one of your sins, even the one that you committed late last night, by his wounds, Aiden, you have been healed. You've been forgiven, friend. You've been set free. You and I don't need to run to our hiding place anymore. Jesus not only sees us, we're told he saves us. This leads us to point three, and this is preposterous. Then Jesus sends us in his love. What? Well, backing up to verse 17, Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, don't cling to me for I haven't yet ascended to the father, but go, go find my brothers. Tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And then dropping down to verse 21, he says to the disciples, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Go. Krista, go. Paul, go. Campbell, go. Jesus says, I'm sending you. He tells them, I'm sending you. You see, he not only sees us, he saves us. And then he, he's so bold as to send us. That's quite the progression, right? There's a lot happening in here, right? But Jesus, I'm raw. I mean, I, I just prayed that prayer today at One Fellowship. I don't know what I'm doing. Go. I'm new to this faith journey, Jesus. Go. I'm sending you. That's what we read. This spring here at One Fellowship, we've been running something called the Alpha Course. And through Alpha, we've been asking some very big questions about life, about faith. Who is Jesus? Is the Bible reliable or true? What about evil? right? And wouldn't you know it, but last week we came across this statistic I want to share today. Here it is. We learned this in Alpha. In the Bible, the word go is used 1,514 times. 1,514 times. That's quite a lot, right? Well, guess what? We see it here in our passage. Jesus telling Mary and the disciples, go. Why would he say such a thing to such raw believers? Well, he'd say such a thing because good news is never meant to be static, stationary, or motionless. It's never meant to be shelved. No, good news, to use a word picture, is always meant to have wings. Think about it. When someone gets engaged, what do they do? They call family and friends. They share the good news. Why? Because it's good news. And they put it all over the interwebs. How about when someone has a baby? Same thing. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You not only dress your little babies up in clothes, you pose them in certain poses. Not talking about anyone specific. Molly Welling. <laughs> We've seen the pictures. We celebrate with you. How about when someone's team wins the national championship? You wear your colors to church. I've seen you guys. So again, good news always has wings. We can't help but share it. Why? Because it's good news. Well, guess what? Jesus says that what he came to share and, and do for us is what? Good news. It's where we get the word gospel. It literally means good news. 
And this good news is not only meant to pass to us, but through us. In other words, friends, we're all called to mission, whereby our words and our actions really matter and are intended to echo through the halls of eternity. No matter who you are, no matter your story. But Paul, I'm an evangelist. Excuse me, I'm not an evangelist. Evangelists share the good news, but I'm not an evangelist. Should I share? Yes. This good news is for you, meant to pass through you. But I'm not a preacher or teacher. That's okay. It's good news for you and through you. Rivers, I'm just a teenager. Come on, pastor. Yes, this good news is for you. But I'm new to this whole faith thing. I I really am raw. I have potholes in my story. This good news is for you. Just as Jesus sees us and saves us, he is so bold to send us with his love, with this good news. Again, think about Mary Magdalene. Could Jesus have picked a more unlikely person to be the very first witness to the Easter story and the very first missionary for the church? The answer is no, friend. His decision, this encounter was intentional. He not only saw Mary and loved Mary and sent Mary, he sees you and loves you and it's Brig and wants to send you even back to Wofford Brig. The power of Easter is found in the empty tomb. The beauty of Easter is knowing that Jesus calls our name. Might Jesus be calling your name today? Might you have walked in ready to finally receive the good news of the resurrection story this morning? Two applications. Two applications. Here's what I would suggest we do with this message. First, dare to be seen and saved. Dare to be seen and saved this morning. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Understanding that he sees you and came to save you, yes, you? Do you feel, friends, 100% in Jesus' secure in his love today? 100% secure in his love today. If you've not surrendered your life and you don't feel 100% secure in his love today, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me in just a minute. We read these words in Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all, not some, but all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, like Mary Magdalene, this good news, Jack, is for you. Leslie, it's for you. Steve, it's for you. Yes, even you, friend. And second, dare to be sent. Dare to be sent even from this service today. Good news is never meant to be stationary or shelved. It's always meant to have what? Wings. Thus, as we close out this time in prayer, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal one person to each one of you that you're meant to go process and share the good news of Jesus with in the coming days. I would just approach this time with an open mind and open heart. 
Knowing that, yes, God can send you, yes, even you, in his love. Would you be so bold as to dare to share the good news as given the opportunity in the coming days? The power of Easter, friends, is found in the empty tomb. But the beauty of Easter is knowing that Jesus calls our name. Jesus sees us, saves us, and yes, even sends us in his love. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good news that the tomb, even right now, is empty. You've risen from the grave. God, would you search us and know us, draw forth all of our waywardness as we bring ourselves vulnerably to you right now. For those who have, have a desire to be seen and say, please quietly repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I desire to be seen and saved by you today. Take all of my guilt, all of my shame, and all of my sin, and forgive me, and fill me with your love. May I leave this place solely and fully walking in that love. Be my Lord and my Savior. And God, right now, would you reveal through your Holy Spirit one person for each of us to share your love with in the coming weeks. Reveal a classmate, a colleague, or even a neighbor or a family member. Give us wisdom, boldness, and kindness as we go on mission with you. We pray all this for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.